Hey, my name is Sean Sears. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church. Thanks for being a part of our services this weekend. Uh, this is our 15th birthday. 15 years ago, we met for the first time on a Sunday morning at the Holiday Inn in Brockton. Uh, our, our, our neighbors across the street had asked us to start a Bible study for a friend of theirs earlier in 2005. We started a Bible study in our living room on a Friday night. They kept inviting friends. We kept inviting friends. We outgrew that one night. We moved it to two nights. and. We knew we didn't want to do it a third night, and we felt that that might be the time when we should go ahead and start meeting on a Sunday morning. Cape Cod Church on, on the Cape uh, was like our sponsor church to kind of uh, help us get started and make sure that we were legit and everything that we did and the way that we were set up and the things that we taught and believed. And, and uh, it's just, it's been a cool, it's been a really cool story. Um, one of the things that's been in the back of our mind in the entire uh, journey for us is the, the, the spiritual disconnection or the lack of spiritual resources here in New England. All six states of New England are in the top 10 least religious states in the entire country. In fact, the top six least religious towns and cities are all New England towns, right? And right in the middle of this spiritually disconnected region of our country, not that everybody is, it's just more than the rest of the country, God, God places Grace Church. And we knew from the very beginning that we weren't responsible to put as many people in Grace Church as possible as it was to uh, make sure that everybody had an opportunity to know and to follow Jesus in, in, in a church, even if it wasn't ours. So, Three years after we got started, we were in our first place. We had about 85 people who were coming. 15 of them were from Quincy, and they were sharing how some of their friends didn't want to drive all the way over to Stoughton for church. And we knew that if their friends were ever gonna have a good chance to know and to follow Jesus, we'd have to start a church over there. So we spun those 15 people off to go start Life Community Church with Aaron and Courtney. And if you've not met Aaron and Courtney, here, here's a chance to hear from Aaron. What's up, Grace Church? Pastor Aaron Cavan here from Life Community Church in Quincy. I just want to take a moment to tell you how absolutely grateful I am for your investment in our church family over the years. 12 years ago, you sent us out in 2008 with 15 people, $10,000 and a little bit of monthly support because that's what you had to give. And God took what you were willing to give and he multiplied it in ways that we could never have possibly fathomed. Life Community Church in Quincy has grown to two parishes. We're getting ready to start our third parish in the next two years. And God continues to use us to reach more and more people in the greater Boston area, as well as the South Shore. And it's all because of how God used you 12 years ago to make an investment in us. We are beyond grateful for you. And so on your 15th anniversary, happy birthday, Grace Church. We love you. So we've always been aware of the idea that God was going to call us uh, to do whatever it took to give the most number of people the best chance to turn from their disobedience towards God, selfishness towards others, uh, to find reconciliation with God through faith in Jesus. Uh, we started developing partnerships in other countries that were spiritually under-resourced, financing 
uh, missionaries and, and national church planting in those countries. Uh, and then God brought our attention back again uh, to the Boston metro area. Uh, as Chris and Jenny Causey had moved up from the south with over 25 of their friends who became a part of Grace Church, and all of them tried to move in and around the Dedham area. So in 2015, uh, we spun off those 30 people plus an additional 35 people from Grace Church who became the beginning of Encounter Church, who started in Dedham uh, and then today are meeting in Westwood. And this is Chris. Happy 15th anniversary, Grace Church. We're so honored to be a part of God's story through you. My name is Chris Causey. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. We're one of your church plants in the Dedham-Westwood area. Because of you, in 2015, 30 plus people stepped out in faith, believing that God wanted to continue what he was doing at Grace through a new church plant. And I'm so grateful for your pastor, for the team around him, for his family, uh, for the way that you sacrificed and gave and served. And because of you as a church plant, we've been able to baptize dozens and dozens of people. We've been able to see people's lives transformed through Christ. We've seen marriages restored. Um, we've seen people who were disconnected and who had never connected with the church in their past um, get connected with Christ. And so thank you. Thank you for the way you love and the way you give and the way you serve and the way that you've modeled for us the path forward. And so happy 15th. We really believe the best is still yet to come. So here's to the next 15. And I can't wait to see all that God's going to do through you, Grace Church. God bless. We continued uh, through the Hope Project to um, partner with church planters in other parts of New England and our, around the country. Uh, and, then, and then we met a guy named uh, Josh. Josh was a youth pastor at a, at a large church on, on the Cape who uh, asked us to mentor him uh, for a year. So every single Monday, Josh would drive uh, up, up here and was a part of our weekly staff meetings to learn how to, to start a healthy, uh, biblically-centered, outwardly-focused, uh, community-oriented, right, uh, Jesus-centered church. And we got to start, uh, we got to be a part of their starting in 2017. And uh, we helped found uh, Harbor Church in the Hyannis, Yarmouth area. And uh, if you've never met Josh, he's a great guy. And uh, here he is. Hey, Grace Church. My name is Josh Adams. I am the pastor of Harbor Church, and we are one of your church plants. We're a daughter of yours that you guys sent out almost four years ago. And uh, we are standing in the building that we were able to open up just about one year ago. And uh, man, God is blessing. And we've got a gospel light down here on Cape Cod because of you. So on your birthday, I first of all, wanted to say thank you. Thank you to Pastor Sean and to everyone there. Your generosity, your faithfulness is the reason that we exist. And uh, I, I can't be prouder to say that uh, I come out of Grace Church. And I wanted to wish you guys a very, very happy birthday. So proud of you. Hope you guys have an awesome day. God bless you. We're super excited about Harbor Church. A side note, has nothing to do with Grace Church, but my dad, who was my spiritual hero and mentor, is now the exact executive pastor there at, at Harbor Church on, on the Cape. 
Um, our next church plant uh, was different than any church that we had ever started before. Taylor, our youth pastor, uh, and his wife, Nicole, moved to Braintree. Felt God was calling them to start a church. We reached out to another church in the community, First Baptist Church of, of Braintree, who had been founded uh, right after the Civil War and, and have this amazing history there in the community. Uh, we reached out to them to rent their facilities. That isn't what God ended up having in store for us. And, and Grace Church actually got to become a part of a story that God had already started a hundred years before we ever got there. And there was this beautiful combination of this church with amazing history that partnered with us to restart Grace Church Braintree. And for all of you who are part of our services today, um, we're thankful to God for you guys. And truthfully, all the amazing things that we're able to do now is because of the way that God has joined our story to another church's story uh, to start a completely new thing, which has been awesome. Right after that, Steve and Katie Sargent moved up here to start a church in, in Bridgewater. They were gonna call it the Bridge Church, uh, but after being on staff for a year, they said, I, I think we just wanna stay a part of what God's doing here. And so they became, you guys are all a part of Grace Church West Bridgewater there in the Hockamock Plaza. Uh, which is fantastic, but that didn't become a new agenda for us that we were just going to start Grace Churches. Uh, what, what had happened, though, is that we had officially started a church plant residency program. A friend of mine who pastors Restoration Church in Brockton reached out because his executive pastor felt called to start a church, but they didn't have a residency program. So Manny Daphnis asked, you know, could we tag team on a church plant? And that's how we met Rob Connolly, who was a part of our staff for a year and uh, attended every single Saturday night here at Grace Church, Sunday morning there at Restoration Church. And just two months ago, started uh, as a tag team effort between Grace and Restoration, Resurrect Church, and this is Rob. Hey, Grace Church, this is Rob Connolly, lead pastor here at Resurrect Church in the great city of Brockton, Mass. Uh, we're just so thankful for all of the help and the support that you guys have given us. We are officially two months in and we've already been making an impact in our city. And that's because of the help that you guys have given us. So I want to be one of the first to say happy birthday, happy birthday, Grace, and to many, many more years of just helping church planners like myself to spread the gospel all over this nation. So happy birthday. I can't wait to see you guys soon. So I can't believe that when God called us to start a church, called all of us to be a part of this church, that he was intending to do more than just establish one church, that God would allow us to be a part of the story of what he's going to be doing in different communities around New England and, and also internationally through our Hope Project, all the different churches that we've been able by God's grace to play uh, a part in and truthfully, I can't wait to share with you what I believe God is going to do with us next, but that's not for now. I'm going to save that for a little bit later in the service. But for now, uh, let me be one of the first people to say, happy birthday, Grace Church. The only stinky thing about our birthday this year is that so many of our church family aren't able to join in person. So 
Over the last few weeks, we've got between 25 and 30% that are showing up in person again, socially distanced, everybody's been wearing their masks. By the way, if you're in person right now, I wanna say thanks uh, for the way that you're so mindful of, of everybody else around you by keeping your mask on. We appreciate it. That's why we're able to keep doing this. But then the other 75 to 70% of us are at home right now. So I'm just sorry that we can't all get back together again, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome, all the stuff that God's done with us. We've started four other churches, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we have two other, we have three different locations now uh, as a church family. We've seen over 700 people baptized uh, in the last 15 years as a church family. That's just at Grace. That's not even including all of the other different churches that we've been able to help start or our, or our mission projects around the world. We've seen marriages uh, brought back together again, relationships within families uh, reconciled. Um, we've also supported church planters around the world. Uh, and, and Grace Church has actually been a part of the birthing or the launching of 20 other churches, not out of ours, but partnered with ours around the Boston metro area. It's been, it's been a phenomenal journey. And then 20, 2020 happens, right? Like this year of complete uh, chaos. Can I say chaos? I mean, there's, election, there's an election coming up on Tuesday. I know you're like, what? What? You didn't know anything about that. No one's been talking about, everyone's talking about this. Like the whole year has been absolutely nuts. Um, and, and we're all at a really weird place in, in our lives right now. And I, I think the question I'm asking is where does Grace Church go from? Like, I, so there's two levels. One is on a personal level. Where does my family go from here? You may be asking that, but as a church, I think it's a question we need to consider also. Where do we as a church go from here? Dear God in heaven, I hope the best things that God uh, ever intends to do with us are not behind us, but if they are in front of us, then what are we supposed to be doing right now in the middle of this weirdness, like where we're at right now? We're not the first ones to even ask that question. Uh, there's a, a, a minor prophet in the Jewish Bible. His name is Habakkuk. Uh, there's a book in the Bible named after him, the, the book of Habakkuk. Now, some of you may not have ever heard of that book before, and I'll bet you none of you have ever found the book of Habakkuk in the Bible if you weren't intentionally looking for the book of Habakkuk in the Bible. It's just three chapters. It's basically two pages. It can fit on a front and a back and then the front. Like that's, that's it. Out of all the different pages in the Bible, that's, that's how small this book is. But he was at a place in his life personally and in the life of the nation of Israel that's kind of similar to where we find ourselves right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at what Habakkuk wrote for all of us to see if there's anything in his story that can help shape uh, the way our story moves on from here. So if you've got your Bible, go to Habakkuk, or it'd be easier actually if you took out your cell phone and open up the Bible app, and then just found Habakkuk that way, it might be quicker. But Habakkuk chapter one, uh, verse two, here's Habakkuk's complaint to God, it's a prayer. Um, he says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen to me? You ever felt like that? You, you, you've been praying, got, asking God for help, asking God for direction, asking God for relief, uh, but God does, doesn't seem like God's answering at all. Like, like there's a guy who a book of the Bible is named after who felt the exact same way that, that you feel. 
How long must I call for help, but you don't listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see all of these evil deeds, one after another after another? Why must I watch all of this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Facebook, anyone? <laughs> I think we even have more access to all of this stuff Habakkuk was complaining about. Um, I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Dude, like, if, if you were going to write out a prayer to God based on the emotions of this year and then were to craft it so that it had some type of a poetic cadence to it, I don't know if you would write better prose than what Habakkuk put in the opening to his book. Like it's, it summarizes exactly what we're going through. And then he, and then he waits for God uh, to answer, and we see God's answer in verse 5. The Lord replied, Look around all the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something that you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. So now Habakkuk's getting really excited. God says, now, look around. I'm about to do something in your lifetime right now that you would never have believed even if somebody told you. So no doubt Habakkuk is getting his hopes up. And then God goes on to tell him in the rest of chapter 1 that God is going to send the evil nation of Babylon to <laughs> destroy the rest of what remains of the Jewish nation after the Assyrians had already started the destruction, then the Babylonians were coming in to, to finish the job. Uh, and, and by the way, that's not what I think God's telling us because one of the blessings of being where we're at in history is that the punishment for all of our sin and rebellion against God has already been paid for by Jesus. They're living at a time before Jesus and God said, listen, you guys have abandoned me as a nation and you're going to be punished for what, what you've done. And so I think it's just a real, real important note for me to make that I'm thankful to God that Jesus was already punished for everything that I've ever, ever done. And, and then at the end of chapter one, Habakkuk says, but is, but is that fair that you would use a group of people worse than us to, to correct us and make us do right? What, what, what about them? And then chapter two opens with Habakkuk saying, I'm going to go somewhere private and sit and wait for God to answer this question. And then God answers that question in chapter two, uh, where he says in, in verse four, and by, by talking about there's two different types of people in the world, Habakkuk, and I'm interested in helping the one type become the other type. And that's what I'm doing in the world right now. And that's Habakkuk chapter two, verse four. And God is speaking in response to Habakkuk, Habakkuk when he says, uh, look at the proud, that's the first type of person. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. 
but the righteous, that's the second type of person, will live by their faithfulness to God. So there's two types of people. There are those who trust in themselves, the proud, and there are those who are willing to trust in God. Those are the righteous. How can you tell which type of person each person is? And it's by their actions. He says that those who are proud, their path is crooked. They'll be going the right direction, but then it's not easy to go the right direction anymore, and then they, they go off the path. And I think that you and I have both struggled with that. There's been times where I knew the right thing to do in my marriage, but it became difficult to do the right thing in my marriage. So I didn't want to do the right thing anymore because it didn't seem like it was helping me, and so I, I got off the path. There are things that God calls me to do with my finances that I'm willing to do until it's difficult to do. And then I go left and I, I get off the path. Or there are, I'm willing to forgive people for doing things to me that's sticking on the path until they do something that really hurts me. And then I don't want to do the right thing. And then I, I, I go off the path. There are times when it's easy to go the right way. And there are times that are difficult to do the right thing. And then the question is, when it's, when it's easy, everybody can do the right thing when it's easy to do the right thing. But I think the difference between those who trust in God and those who trust themselves is what they do when it's not easy anymore. So then God shares what will happen next and God says, don't worry about it. The Babylonians, I'm keeping track of everything that they're doing also. But what I want you to focus on is the difference between the proud and the righteous. The proud are the ones who trust in themselves. They sit on top of the mountain of their life. They sit in the center of their own kingdoms. They are the ones who decide for themselves what is right and wrong. Uh, then there are those who have put me in the middle. And then he gets to verse 14 of chapter 2, and God says this, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. So God gives them this promise. He says, listen, there's going to come a time when just like everywhere in the world, uh, like the seas cover what? What percentage of the world? Like, like, like three-fourths of the world's surface, two-thirds of the world's surface is covered by water. God says, just like the world is covered by water, the world will also be filled with awareness of, of my glory. That's, that's a little promise where God says, I'm telling you there's going to come a day when all is right in the world and everything is put the way that it's supposed to do. And what is Habakkuk supposed to do in the meantime? He's supposed to continue being faithful to God. My job in times like this is to keep doing the right thing especially when it's hardest to do the right thing. Our job as a church in times like this is the exact same thing. Your job is to continue to love people that are unlovable, forgive people for unforgivable things, be generous to people who are selfish, and to serve people that don't serve back, right? Like that's our job is to stay on the straight path not the crooked path. And in times like this, the exact same thing is true for us as a church family. Our job as a church in times like this is to keep 
planting churches that make it easy for our friends to know and to follow Jesus. Our job in times like this is to continue praying for our friends, our family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, our teammates who are spiritually disconnected from God and asking God to soften their heart so that they will show up someday and also get an opportunity to know and to follow Jesus. That's our job. So we are going to keep living, loving, giving, and serving the way Jesus lived, loved, gave, and served. We're going to keep stretching ourselves to, to be more generous to start more churches to help more churches stay open to revitalize dying congregations, to keep giving and sending missionaries to other parts of the entire world. Um, that's why it is my honor to let everybody know that today we are joined for the very first time by, you ready for this, Grace Church Norton. We have, we have a brand new church family that is now a part of Grace Church. Today is the very first day that Grace Church now exists in four different locations. And it's not that Norton was waiting for Grace Church to show up and, and rescue the day or that God's presence hasn't been in Norton until Grace Church finally showed up. I mean, truthfully, even when the church that's becoming Grace Church in Norton was first planted back in the mid-70s, even they weren't the first part of the story that God had begun writing in the town of Norton. They were just the next chapter in that story. And so now there's a new chapter. They, they're on one of the busiest streets that lead between the Miles Standish Industrial Park and, and town center of, of, of Norton. They've got five acres. They've got 21,000 square feet of building. They've got a phenomenal leadership team. They've got a young pastor who's been there for three years who came into the church when they were in their low 30s and pre-COVID were running about a 110 people. He'd been in a mentor group with me and Pastor Stephen from the Bridgewater location uh, three years ago when he first became the pastor of that church. And they're in a place now where they just said, we think we would do better at helping more people find and follow Jesus if we were part of a larger team of churches, of followers of Jesus. And if we could all pull our resources together to do more, we think more people in the Taunton, Norton, Mansfield area would have a better chance to know and to follow Jesus. So we, we, we tag teamed. We are, like we did in Braintree, taking two existing churches and restarting something together in Norton. And we are incredibly excited uh, that you guys there in Norton are part of our, our church family and we're even more excited about what God's going to do through all of us, through all of us together. Uh, there's a church plant in the North Shore uh, with a church planter. They've got about 35, 40 people that are meeting right now and they're talking to us about what it would look like uh, for them to be a part of Grace Church. That decision isn't a decision that's being made. Uh, that church is already up and off the ground. We're just kind of talking about what that would look like for us to kind of help them in the North Shore, help more people find and follow Jesus. The Ballingers, our missionaries, our very first missionaries that we ever partnered with, uh, before we were even meeting on Sundays, before our first birthday, uh, we had picked up them for financial support before they'd even moved to Mongolia. Now, they've started three different churches that have already been handed off to Mongolians. And just their summer, they've mo they're moving and the, they're in the process. They just bought land uh, in a new town to start a fourth congregation 
and a fourth community in Mongolia. The HOPE project is going to be coming out uh, in just, what, like next week, like in the next couple of weeks, and you guys are going to see about all the different projects that we're going to be partnering with. Uh, so we are in the middle of this weird time, uh, but honestly, God's putting together a beautiful mosaic. Uh, Satan keeps throwing random tiles into the mosaic, trying to to mess up the picture that God's making. But the awesome thing about the sovereignty of God is that he, he grabs each one of those tiles and he reworks it into the story of what he's, he's trying to do. Um, and, and, and that's exactly what we see in the life of Habakkuk. So Habakkuk has, has God tell him that this is all going somewhere really, really cool. And everything that I've done in the past is only a glimpse of everything that I'm wanting to do in the future. And all of that came true in that when the Babylonians came and conquered and it led to a period where uh, the Jews had then turned from their sin to begin following God and he reestablishes their identity back in their homeland. And they build a new temple that was different than the temple that was before, but that new temple became the one that Jesus was dedicated in, and God does all of these amazing things. He, he gets to the end of God saying, um, I haven't lost track of where you guys are right now in the world. Uh, and this is, this is going somewhere amazing. Chapter 3 of Habakkuk is actually just a song. It opens up with uh, that Habakkuk then sits down in a solitary place after he's heard from God, and he, and he, writes, and he writes this song. Uh, of chapter 3. He gets to the end of the song, and here's the verse that he includes at the end, and this is in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, and here's what he says. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, even though there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops crops fail, uh, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. He's sitting here in this place and he goes, even though I don't actually see what God's going to do yet. Here's a question. If you were writing the next verse of Habakkuk's song, what would you say are your even those? So here you sit right now. Here we sit, whether you're in person at one of our locations or in Norton, our newest location, or, or you're at home. And God gave you the pen to write Habakkuk chapter 4. What would you say? Even though I don't know how my marriage will work out, even though I'm homeschooling my kids right now and I've had to pull back from my career or your online courses, or even though I, I can't go to college in person, even though I can't get five minutes alone to drink a cup of coffee in silence, hello, moms, right? Even though I don't know if my business is going to make it through this. Even though I don't know what will happen if my preferred candidate loses on Tuesday. Even though, like for, finish the sentence. So Habakkuk said his even those. So even though I don't know for sure what happens next, here's what he says in verse 18. He says, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I choose joy. Now, how in the world can Habakkuk sit in the middle 
of his own 2020, his own 2020 election, his own COVID-19, his own pandemic situation. Like how, how can he sit in the middle of this crazy year where nothing is as it was and say, I choose, even though, even though this, even though that, even though, even though, even though, even though, I choose joy. How could he do that? Because of the way he describes God in the very last verse of the book of Habakkuk, verse 19. He says, uh, I, I, I choose, I, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation, verse 18, verse 19, because the sovereign Lord is my strength. You may have a translation that says, the Lord God, the God who is Lord over everything, the master builder of the masterpiece, right? Like the, the master architect, the, the, uh, the, the Leonardo da Vinci of the cosmos, like the one who can take the crazy scribbles on the canvas of my life and work that into the masterpiece art uh, that he's painting, the sovereign Lord, the God who won't let things get so messed up that he won't redeem them from his glory and my good is my strength. That's what he said. The God who knew this pandemic was coming, the God who knew the division that this political season would bring into our lives, the God who knew that you would get to this place of exhaustion, that God knew that you would come to a place of financial instability. The God who knew all of this was coming and has already devised a plan to work this into the story that he is writing that ends in his glory and your good is your strength. The God who began a good work in us as a church family over the last 15 years and knows how all of this year is going to work into the next 15 years is our strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Basically what he's saying is God gives me the ability because I know he is sovereign, because I know that God is Lord over everything that's happening now. He gives me the confidence to walk on unsteady ground without fear. He gives me the ability to keep my balance in a boat that, that's rocking back and forth. He helps me walk like a billy goat on the side of a cliff. That's what he's saying, as sure-footed as a deer on the heights. He made a choice on what he was going to do in his life and who he was gonna put his trust in. And his choice to trust God determined what he was going to do next. And truthfully, right now in this moment, your choice on whether or not you will stay on the path or choose an easier path will determine what you do next. So you and I are in the same place. And so is our church. We've seen God do incredibly cool things uh, in our lives and our church family, but you've seen God do awesome things in your life too. And then 2020 happens. And then you begin to doubt what you should do next. And then if we're not careful, the doubt that we feel in making our choices may end up leading us to a place where we make choices based on that doubt that lead us off the path. 
And if that's where you find yourself right now, making choices based on convenience, not based on what God's already led you to do, I'm asking you to renew your commitment to get back on the track, to, uh, to get back on the path, to do what you know in your heart God's already told you to do, to continue to love the unlovely, to forgive the unforgivable, to be generous when it doesn't make sense, and to live like Jesus lived. Uh, and as a church family, we're going to do the same thing. We're not going to slow down just because we had a crazy year. We're going to keep doing crazy, scary, awesome things in the name of God for the glory of God and for the good of others. Uh, I'm, I'm now also going to introduce you to our next two church plant residents. Uh, the first is Jay Cross. Uh, Jay Cross is a church plant resident who in January will become a full-time resident with us and will be starting a church. He's still praying over what town he's going to be starting his church in and what the name of that church will be. And Victor Mora. Uh, Victor Mora uh, is, is Brazilian. Uh, all, the, all the Portuguese speakers in our church are given a, uh, I was going to say a woo woo, but a, you know, like, right? Like he's, he's, he's going to be starting, a, uh, actually, he's the guy starting the church in the North Shore. And they're moving from a Portuguese speaking church to an English speaking church and praying on their next moves. Uh, we're talking to another church in the area about how we can help them keep their doors open. Um, I've actually started a cohort with nine other pastors that have started other churches. And we're all strategizing about how we as churches can help other churches start churches every four years. And if each one of our churches and locations start a church every four years and those churches also do the same thing, then we really do believe the math works. It's possible for there to be a third spiritual great awakening here in New England in our lifetimes. I'm telling you, this isn't the time for us to sit around and wait. Like while the rest of the world seems to be on pause, those of us who are devoted followers of Jesus, who trust in our sovereign God, dang it, we're gonna keep running because there's a whole lot more stuff we've got to do. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is bow your head with me so that we can pray. And if you feel like your life has been on pause, I'm going to ask you to ask God to help you get moving again. So if you would bow your head with me. If you're spiritually disconnected from God, your prayer would simply be, God, I'm tired of running from you. I want to be found by you, and I want you to clean my slate. Forgive me for sinning against you, for being selfish towards my fellow man. Clean my heart. Make me yours. Jesus, I am your man. Jesus, I am your girl. For the rest of my life, God, I am yours. If you're already a devoted follower of Jesus, but truthfully, your marriage is in a bad spot, your relationship with your kids is in a bad spot, your finances are crazy, you're, you're worried about your debt or your business or another relationship that's become dysfunctional, then your prayer is, God, even in this season of my life right now, I'm asking you to take authority in my life. Bring this around toward the story you intend to write in my life. If you can think of a way in which you have taken a crooked path, then your prayer is, God, I'm sorry for deviating to the left and the right and I need to get back on track again. I don't know what pattern of sin that you've allowed to come back into your life again, or maybe some, some attitude of fear has caused you to move off the path, but your prayer is, God, I know that you are God even over this season of my life too, and I'm back on track. 
If there's any other pattern of disobedience or lack of faith in your life, then let this be a prayer of renewal, not just for you personally, but for all of us as a church to dream bigger dreams, to run faster, to do scary stuff in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you are pleased by the choice that we are making right now to find joy in the middle of chaos. Our joy comes not from our confidence in how the elections go next week and what happens to the economy after that or our business. God, it's not based on any of those things. Uh, our confidence, our ability to walk confidently on, on cliffs comes from the fact uh, that you saw all of this coming, that you're sovereign, um, and that you will work even this out for your glory and our good. Please, God, don't let fear uh, or, or pride uh, uh, direct the choices that we make moving forward, individually or as a church family. Uh, God helps to know what you want us to do next and give us the confidence to do that. That's the prayer that we make. And we all ask this in the great name of Jesus. And we say together, amen.